Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, I'm back from having a baby, and I'm very excited about Eberron. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, uh, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you are going to enjoy an awesome Saturday morning as I check all my levels to get everything set on the Twitch stream. Yes. Thank you for joining us on YouTube and Twitch. We're hoping yeah. to have a good show for you. We're back on YouTube. It's really awesome. Uh, fantastic. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, everybody who sent warm wishes and happy thoughts and prayers and all that other good stuff um, to me and my wife. Uh, if you were not here last week tuning into the Saturday Morning D&D Show, big news i had a child well i should say my wife birthed a child and i was there helping her through it but uh she's amazing um we had a really difficult labor but uh our baby was born healthy and my wife is recovering very well so we have little oliver um and he's super cute and i love him to death uh and he was gonna make an appearance this morning but uh, he was not having it. He was real fussy. And I had him, I, Lucian and I were talking and I had him out here and I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is good. So uh, I'm going to try next week to show him off to you guys and I'll have him here on the show just at the beginning so you guys can see him and, and say hi to uh, my, my new D&D &D player. But um, everybody's recovering very well. So thank you guys for all of the, the wonderful um, thoughts and, and wishes and everything else. It was, it was really nice to hear all of the, the support on Twitter and, um, and I tuned into the show uh, from the hospital. So that was fun to watch you guys. And so also special thanks to LB Hackamup, the wonderful, the talented uh, who stepped in for me. Cause that was really great. You guys had a really good discussion. It was awesome. Really stepped in almost. I mean, somebody might say maybe a little better. I don't know. Oh, no, I mean, yeah. we'll have to see what the comments say. No. Uh, LB actually <laughs> sent me a couple of comments where she's like, oh, look, like I, I should replace you because they're just like, wow, Jordan, <laughs> like Jordan's on a run for his money here because we've got some, uh, we, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> no I I'm pretty sure those comments would be replace Lucian will be the comments. I'm sure of it. <laughs> we're going to get a uh, replace Jordan uh, hashtag. And uh, yeah, it's going to be gonna be awful because i love this show so much but um yeah. it was really nice of her for to step in um and we'll have to have her back maybe the three of us can chat one time oh. about something and she said yep her uh, i didn't change the overlay so we got lb hackham's up handle there so yeah. if you guys want to tweet to uh, uh i'll change it while we're going here <laughs> i'm not even on twitch i need to get over there oh, this is this is awful That's so funny that's how much we loved and uh, appreciated her stepping in for us and jumping in in the show and sharing her DM adventures and her player adventures. So it was awesome. And we've always had really good guests. I mean, every guest we've brought on has been super good and yeah. we're going to keep doing it. I think it's really fun. So fun. Okay. Uh, so let's jump into it. I guess so. Let's yeah. So well, there was a question. I know what the biggest question is. What is the biggest question? So far for Oliver, mm -hmm. has he had any tendencies towards class yet? Do we know what class Oliver is? Well, so if I had <laughs> to give a class to Oliver, I think he's a level one Snorlax. 
Okay. So he he eats a lot. He sleeps. He's really good at yawning. And that's about all he does right now. <laughs> um, every once in a while, I'm like, oh, he's smiling. And then you hear a giant fart. And you're like, oh, never mind. You were you were just working that. Yeah, you don't smile yet, do you? So, no, I don't know. Uh, there, was a, there was something online that was like, it was the Zodiac, but it was changed for like the classes of D&D. And I think mm-hmm. he was a paladin or something. And okay. I'm not opposed to paladins. It's not my favorite class. But I mean, you know, if my son wants to be a paladin, I'll, I'll encourage him in that. So we'll I'm see. hoping he's a warlock, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> you can have we'll a have silent pH patron or something. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. So what kind of news besides personal last week's news? You kind of were not here for the big release. Eberron rising from the war. Look at that. Regular cover. Didn't get the uh, the special cover, huh? No, I, well, just being able to get to my game store wasn't going to happen with the baby and stuff. So I ordered this on Amazon a month ago and it, it arrived Tuesday when it was released. Um, I've been flipping through it. And I think like the question on my mind and a lot of people's minds is like, if you bought Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, were you, do you have to buy this or were you ripped off? And a lot of the, now I haven't read this cover to cover yet. I've been going through it quite a bit, but like a lot of the information on Sharn, the Dragon Marks, um, a lot of the races, except for like Warforged and they added Orc and Goblin and stuff. They, they changed a couple of races. Um, there's, uh, it's, it's really similar. And so it's kind of mm-hmm. like, well, why did we like, I don't know, you, you spent $20 on this PDF or the D and D beyond content. And now you kind of have to like unlock the rest of it. And I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, mm-hmm. I so far really like the book and I think it's worth it for the magic items and, Um, I think it's my cat's meowing like crazy, but I think it's 100% (laughs) worth it for the, uh, so you want to start an adventure in Eberron and it has all these different locations and all of these different plot hooks and not unlike the dungeon master's guide where you can kind of like use dice to roll yourself an adventure. This is one where you have to read the history and kind of decide, yes, I want to have an adventure that goes into the Mornlands and we're going to do it by this. And then when you decide that you can pick your villain, you can pick kind of what's happening, but really good, um, really good inspiration in that section. And it's a big section. Like it's full of uh, a lot of different places and things that I didn't even really think about. Like if you wanted to have an Eberron game, I always kind of figured it deals with the last war, but you don't necessarily have to have it deal with the last war. You could have it deal with like, we want to go explore the jungles of this other area, or we want to go explore the ice caps to the North. And they have all these different areas kind of laid out and like adventures that you can have in there. Uh, So I've read a lot of other Eberron books and this one, I found that the most helpful because a Mm -hmm. lot of times you ingest all this lore and you're like, what do I do with it? You know, and I was really anticipating this book coming with an adventure. Uh, For some reason in my mind, I thought that it was. But flipping through it, it, it's not it doesn't have an adventure like Acquisitions Incorporated came with an adventure that you could run. But it does have a lot of jumping off points for you to create your own. And there's monsters Mm -hmm. in the back and there's unique magic items and things that are all Eberron esque. So Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was worth the money. Like, I like it. But a lot of people. So what was the page count on it? I heard it was a pretty big book. Like 300 something. Oh, I, I thought it was like twice the size of the original Eberron PDF, but am I wrong? Is, the, is it not quite that big? 
do, do, looking it up. And I noticed somebody in chat did mention, and I think that's true, is there's an updated PDF for so those of you who bought the original one, um, they did they were gonna make changes so that it aligned with the actual printed book, some of the things that were in the original PDF. So that way, like Warforged is just the same as Warforged or you know, whatever was released yes. that's similar or the same does read and does play mechanically the same. Yeah. So you may go back out and get your updated PDF if you already yeah. already have that. No, it's 320 pages. So Okay, 320, yeah. not, not too big. I mean, it's about the normal size for the D&D books. So, so compared to that, you don't feel like you gained very much more? Well, no, I guess, because okay. like uh, I can go re-download... Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron with the updated Warforged changes and the updated mm -hmm. whatever they updated. Artificer? Um, Did they put the class in it, I wonder? They put one subclass in of the Artificer. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's been a week, guys. I can't talk. And I'm getting not a lot of sleep. Uh, they put one subclass of the Artificer, the Alchemist, I think, in mm -hmm. Wayfinder's Guide. And then the other, all, all three subclasses are in Rising from the Last War. Um, so... I don't know. It also comes with uh, 11 group patrons. Um, and uh, oh, it does say here that it comes with an adventure. Am I just dumb and I haven't gotten to that section yet? Is there actually Look at the table of here? contents. Well, yeah. while you're thinking of that, so really, to me, the Eberron book, you can compare it to the original PDF, obviously, is one way to compare. But the other way to maybe compare this book is this is a book that's a campaign setting book, and we've had a couple of those so far. So it'd be, and I haven't read it yet, so that's why I'm not throwing in a lot of opinion at the moment. I'm still waiting to get mine. Um, but m the way I think I'm going to compare it, because I didn't have the PDF originally, is I'm going to compare it to... Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica mm -hmm. and uh, Acquisitions Incorporated because those are campaign books. And so like when I'm trying to compare apples to apples at that point, I'm like, how's this book compared to to that book? What do you think? Because I know you you love Act Inc. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you had Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica yeah. and I loved reading Ravnica. Yeah. I mean, just the I read it cover to cover and I love just reading the book, whether I used it in anything yet or yeah. not. Um, how is Eberron stacking up as you're going through and reading? Um, well, really quick, it does come with an adventure called Forgotten Relics. Cool. It's like, uh, I think it's like 10 pages long or so, maybe. Yeah, about 10 pages long. So it's got a little starting adventure for you if you want to like dive in, which is really cool. Um, and I, yeah, I remember them saying it, but I couldn't find it in the book. But I, <laughs> my bookmark is, is earlier than that. I haven't gotten all the way finished the book yet. Um, I think it is, so... Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica was a really good book, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. If you wanted to play in the world of Ravnica, it gave you all of the, the stuff you need. And this book actually synergizes, I think, with that book a lot because of the... the and I, I don't play Magic the Gathering, so I don't know all of the Ravnica guilds and stuff. But there's like a techno guild that the Artificer mm -hmm. kind of fits in with. There were a lot of magic items that were like, here's like a, a cannon that fires like chunks of molten rock and stuff. And that kind of fits in with Eberron more than with the Forgotten Realms. Um, yeah. So the two kind of synergized, and there was a really good Reddit thread where people were like, well, what are your new like class and race combinations now that this is out? And a lot of people were like, oh, I want to do like a Simic hybrid artificer, you know, like a, a race from Ravnica, but the artificer from Eberron and, mm -hmm. and vice versa. They were kind of like mixing and matching there. Uh, I I don't know. The, your, sorry, your question was, does it hold up or is it similar or... 
Yeah, if, if you're comparing, you know, how well Ravnica was written, how well it captured you, how well it made you say, yes, I want to run a campaign. Is Eberron book doing that for you? Did the, yeah. just like the act. Oh, Jordan might've paused a second. He's back though. I think I see him moving. Sorry, sorry. Um, I swear <laughs> I'll restart my router uh, yeah, today no and see if that fixes this problem because it's been twice now that we've done this, but um no, I really think that the Ravnica book, uh, it's it's very similar. Like if you want to, I mean, it's a campaign setting book. If you want to run yeah. a game of Ravnica, you kind of need this. Um, I feel like this, maybe it's because I'm more interested in Eberron than I am in Magic the Gathering mm -hmm. Ravnica, but I really like the, and I said, again, my favorite chapter is the, the here's a list of jumping off points to start your adventure in Ravnica, or sorry, mm -hmm. in Eberron. Um, and as a DM, that's the most useful because you absorb all of this knowledge and lore. And then you're kind of like, how do I apply it? And well, this is how you apply it. You, 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 this whole chapter is like, you want to go here. The orcs of the wastelands want this. And then you can go and do a whole adventure using the orcs from the wastelands. So, um, I, I don't know. I really like it. I think it, I think it holds up. I don't know if it's better than Ravnica, but I am getting more worth out of it than Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, strictly because I enjoy Eberron, I think. Yeah. So cool. that's kind of what it comes down to. I think when it's all said and done, I'm going to be on the other side of that, just because I think I like that that Ravnica world mm -hmm. more. I love the artwork that evokes that world. I love that there's a card game that's that gives you more outlets to do stuff with it. And um, what I, the other thing I was curious is because the Ravnica team that wrote that one would have been definitely the core of the D and D team, but they would have had help from the, you know, the other parts of wizards of the coast that were doing magic, the gathering, whereas this one would have been the core D and D team, but then they would have got help from Keith Baker. So I had wondered if they were able just to keep it all feeling like a normal Dungeons and Dragons book, or if we were seeing some of the different artists and the different contributors really changing the style or the tone or the way mm. it's presented. Um, but it sounds like they're keeping it really, you know, the, they're keeping it in their style. They have a yeah. very specific style on books. So that's cool. I think I'm hoping everybody gets their money out of it. Um, I know there's a lot of people doing reviews on it. I know I saw uh, Ted's, um, he's doing videos about what's different, what's the same, those kinds of things. Um, and there's a lot of people that have, that have kind of started doing their reviews. Yeah. So if you're looking to buy it and you haven't bought it yet, there's a lot of information out there for you to go out and find and say, Hey, is this the book for me? Or, yeah. you know, what, or is it not? I'm yeah. sure that you can find that. Um, so. I recommend, uh, well, Ted from Nerd Immersion is great. He's got a lot of lengthy videos on it. Um, mm -hmm. Nate from WASD20 Nate. has a good uh, Ravnica, or Ravnica, I keep saying Ravnica, Eberron, mm -hmm. uh, Rising from the Last War review, where he kind of flips through the book. And you get a general sense of like, is this something I want? Um, mm -hmm. It is something that I want. And that's something, like I bought Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, and I bought this. And I don't feel like I was... You know, it's kind of like you get access to that stuff early, and and I don't know if that's the the business model that I enjoy or I want Wizards of the Coast to go to, where it's kind of like you know. And but at the same time, uh, with Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, I could go to D and D Beyond and like a la carte pick the things that I need, and then I don't necessarily have to buy that entire book over again, kind of a thing. So. Uh, I don't know. It works mm -hmm. out for me. I really like it. I think it's an awesome book. Um, I will say this though, and I this reminds me of Ravnica in the sense that they didn't commission a lot of new art, 
And so a mm. lot of art in this book is from 3.5 and fourth edition. And they, they took older art and, and, and it's, you know, tastefully aligned and stuff, but you can, you definitely turn the page and you're just like, that's not fifth edition art at all because they had a style mm -hmm. with third edition and they had a style with fourth edition. Uh, and I was wondering if Ravnica was the same because I'm assuming they used existing magic, the gathering art when they built Ravnica. So are these books just like a little easier to produce? You know, are they are they like, well, we already have this lore. We already have this stuff. We kind of have to write maybe like three or four new chapters. And then the rest of it, we touch up to make it work OK. Um, mm -hmm. And I wonder if we'll see more of these because it feels Definitely. like it's like this is an easy <laughs> this is really easy for Wizards of the Coast to do. Mm -hmm. um, they. They uh, use existing art. They use existing stuff that's already written. They kind of repackages it, repackage it for a fifth edition feel, and and send it out. And people are hungry for D and D books, so they they grab it up. Uh, mm -hmm. But like of the people that bought Ravnica, I know a lot of people that enjoyed that book. I know a lot of people that did X, Y, and Z with it. I don't know anybody running a Ravnica game other than like there's a couple online streams that seem to be promoted by D and D or Wizards of the Coast. But, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I just don't see a lot of Ravnica streams. And so, I don't know. Like, will will this be the same yeah. thing? Will it be out there and then nobody really runs Eberron? Yeah. So. I think it has a good shot to be super popular. Like, I don't know if we'll ever see the numbers of the book sales that they get. But I bet this will be up there because it does have a new class. And very few books have offered us a new class. So Artificer is yeah. popular, I think enough that a lot of people are willing to buy this and have it on their shelf or get it on D and D beyond or get it through Roll 20 mm -hmm. or um, all the other other VTT areas that you can get it because I think they want um, the, the races are pretty cool, yeah. but you can get a lot moments. Most of them um, in any of the other books or versions of them. Warforge is definitely unique, um, but they've got some unique style stuff going on. They've got a good writer backing it. They've yeah. got, it's got its own adventure league, which kind of leads us into one of the other uh, bullet points of our, our news notes for today mm -hmm. is that Adventure League Eberron starts in two weeks on December 2nd. We've already started um, season nine, which uh, launched with the sent into Avernus for regular Dungeons and Dragons Adventure League. But now we have Dungeons and Dragons Adventure League Eberron. So yeah. that's interesting. We don't have Dungeons and Dragons Adventure League uh, Ravnica. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, so it's definitely there's a bigger push by the company to support this product, which is interesting because you mentioned how they launched it before as just a PDF and just on DMs Guild. It was almost like they weren't going to support it. Like they wanted to put something out, but they wanted to do the minimal amount of effort to do it, put it out there, let people have it and move on. But then it must have been popular enough or there must have been a, a nice groundswell movement to say, no, we need to make a real run at this. Mm -hmm. That means supporting it with streams. That means supporting it with the Adventure League. That means putting it in the Dragon Plus magazine more, um, doing more of their videos on their Dungeons & Dragons channel, doing live streams of it and charity streams of it. They're really pushing it pretty hard. So it's they've definitely, at this point, have accepted it into their product line. It's not just you know an offshoot like they've done with some of the other. Like they didn't do a big thing with Stranger Things box set. They did a little bit. You know they they haven't done a great big thing with Rick and Morty's box set, which also launched last week. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of support there, but not like the Eberron support. So they definitely are supporting that branch of the product line pretty heavily. So it I'm, makes me wonder if we're good. gonna see a 
quote unquote campaign book like this every year. Cause I think it mm-hmm. was last year that we got Ravnica yeah, um, around this sense. time. This year is Eberron is next year. Are we getting dark sun or something else? Like, are they just kind of kind of keep like, why not? Uh, and then it leads me back to that D and D sorry, wizards of the coast survey that they sent out. And one of them was one of the questions was what's your favorite wizards of the coast uh, or what's your favorite D and D campaign setting. And like mm-hmm. Spelljammer was on there, Dark Sun, Eberron, things like that. And so people were like, you know, you, Greyhawk, you can select which one. We kind of got like a little bit of a Greyhawk book with uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh, but not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's really interesting. So big Greyhawk fan here. That's what I voted on my survey. <laughs> nice. I would love a Greyhawk campaign setting. I know we have them and I know you can go get those books. And we, me and Jordan have often talked about all those old books still work pretty well. Yeah. It's not very hard to take. And we've done it in our own campaigns and adventure. I've taken an AD&D adventure and put it in my campaign, changed a few things. And it's been running great. These, my guys have been tackling that Black Pyramid forever. And that's straight out of an, a, you know, Gary Gygax written module. Yep. It's working out really well. So it's not that we can't go back and get that stuff, but I do love the new team creating, putting it in concise books, adding in, I hope, new artwork um, to help inspire your ideas for your campaigns. And then just giving us more books to have on our shelf. I mean, my shelf's getting pretty pretty big there of all the Dungeons & Dragons. I don't even have them all at the moment. I'm still behind on a couple. So. <laughs> Um, yeah like my favorite ones up there now though alien i just got that i saw your tweet about that that's really (laughs) exciting um no i uh i am using a fourth edition shadowfell book for my Mm -hmm. my shadowfell adventure and although i can't use the monsters i can kind of use the scenarios and i can use a bunch of the other stuff and it's 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 really easy like the 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 traps and the puzzles are still there you know D &D Mm -hmm. is D &D kind of a thing and you can make it work so it's a lot of fun so very cool. So lots of Eberron. Hopefully all of you are enjoying your Eberron campaigns. Let us know if you're running Eberron campaigns. Let us know if you're running Ravnica campaigns. And Jordan just does crazy and doesn't realize that there's hundreds and hundreds of Ravnica campaigns yeah, out there. Yeah, there might could be, be out there. Who knows? <laughs> there probably are, and I'm just oblivious to it, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, other than that, news-wise, they didn't have a lot on the channel. I checked out the D&D news channel. They had a few streams up, but it wasn't a lot. There's still a lot of videos out there about the new UA article because it was so big and all the stuff they were talking yeah. about in that. We're all wondering what book that might come in, if it's going to come into a book, or is it going to be a supplement of some sort? Are we going to see it in 2020? Um, we're still speculating about what Chris Perkins would meant by, hey, if you like, you know, the... Uh, Ravenloft. Ravenloft or Strahd, you know, um, you can't wait to see what I'm working on right now. And I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. So that was the big thing. Um, So it was pretty cool. Hopefully all of you have seen that. Those are all the release dates. I don't think we have anything else left from now till Christmas. And any time now, maybe in the next spoiler and swag show, or maybe in the next, you know, few months of Dungeons and Dragons trying to tell us what's going on, we should be seeing or getting a hint at least of what's coming in 2020 pretty soon. So if we find it, if we squirrel it out somewhere out there in the, in the internets and the interwebs, we'll bring it to you guys and hopefully let you know what, what we have in store, but there's lots of good games out there too. Uh, I did put them in the notes here, but Matt Colville's um, Kickstarter just wrapped up. He did like a million plus for this second book, which is really cool. Um, there's a bunch of, uh, Grimmer's 
space and then grimmer world there was a whole bunch of grimmers all of a sudden those all finished up and got funded um there's a lot of good kickstarter rpgs going out there 5e compatible and regular just non-games just all these other games that are coming out we're in the renaissance of or almost i'm thinking like maybe people said the golden age of role-playing games is in the 80s moving into the 90s maybe we're in the platinum age of of role-playing games right now because there's so many good ones out there i mean the free league books are so good and i'm just loving holding them in my hands like tales from the loop and this aliens book have a feel to them that are so good you just want to hold the book (laughs) and the artwork in it and the layout that they're doing is all really good stuff so we'll definitely try to bring you guys some of that um thing you know some of that onto the channel as we go but boy keeping up with D is is a job on its own yeah at for this sure. point nope. so normally we go to our second segment our next segment which is called bardic inspiration or appendix d which is the other one i liked um and for this one this one's funny because you might say this is my idea lone wolf and cub and you might say oh of course Jordan had a baby, so so Lucian's thinking about how can we run an adventure where there's somehow a baby involved. But actually, it wasn't because of Jordan, although that was part of the inspiration. <laughs> I watched the third episode of Mandalorian, and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who's who hasn't watched the Disney Plus show yet, but Mandalorian is so good. And there is a very cool theme about hero and saving a young one of some sort and how that interacts how that's going to work in a dangerous world how would you even create a story around that and it got me thinking about how you could create a story that is very much about the party has to protect something very fragile which changes a lot of the ways they could play so if you said it was a baby we'll we'll say it's a baby and if the party is somehow has a, a baby to deal with that they can't just hand off to the next village and move on like there's something about it going on so to me the adventure started rolling in my head is like there's somebody that wants to capture this this child it's a special child it's a chosen child um whoever has this child has this big future ahead of them. And so there's all these factions that are maybe vying to somehow possess the child in, in such a way, but the party is trying to keep it safe. And I just thought that's a cool, interesting um, storyline to run because it makes the players act differently. It makes them not just be murder hobo like they are normally, or it makes them think about the situation they're about to go into. How do you bring, you know, a young one with you when you're out, you're about to go fight a dragon or you're about to dive into a dungeon or whatever. And you can't just set the, the, the child down or the, the baby unicorn or whatever you decide is the, is the, the item how do they deal with that? How do you give them, you know, something to deal with? So I just thought that was my idea of being able to throw it. Some things to keep in mind. I think for me, from a dungeon master side, is you want the the precious object of the quest, whatever it may be, or the campaign, is something that wants to be captured, not destroyed. I think you start to get into a little bit darker themes if the bad guys are trying to kill the chosen kid or the chosen child, because a lot of people don't want to get into that kind of a heavy of a storyline. But if it's all about just who has that, like kidnapping or taking it or possessing, um, you might not get into those darker stories. But make sure your group's ready for something like that that type of storyline, but boys really make your characters and your party act differently when they have something they can't lose. Well, no, and there's uh, something they can't just get rid of. So. Yeah. Like mechanically, I'm just thinking about it. What if you, you, let's say they have an egg and they have to protect yeah. this egg. 
Um, and so, yeah, you're a big fighter with 74 hit points, but you've got an egg with 12 hit points and an AC of eight. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I can, what do I do? I take it and I run it back and forth and I do all this other stuff. And, uh, I, but, and maybe you can set it down, but like, you don't want it to get stepped on or you don't want like an, an AOE mm -hmm. to hit it because it's got, you know, disadvantage on deck saves. Cause it's an egg. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that really changes everything because you, you will, see 12 kobolds and be like yeah i can jump in and take those but all of a sudden it's like well 12 kobolds means that you know they have a huge opportunity to go after my egg and how am i going to protect this egg or how am i going to do that mm -hmm. so it i don't know it's i don't want to use the word escort mission because i hate escort missions in right, video right. games but i think it would you're right i think it would add a new level of like i have to i have something else that i need to care for and i can't yeah. just worry about me and that's mm -hmm. going to change the dynamics of the game a little bit. So, yeah. 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 So that was my um, Bardic inspiration. So you guys can take it as you wish. Tell us a little bit about other stories that inspires you with. Or if you had your own Bardic inspiration this week, um, put it in chat. Put it in comments. I didn't know Jordan didn't have one written down. Did you have one uh, this week? No, because I was. No, that's we'll, okay. We'll, I got we'll, you. We'll, we'll, we'll make one up. Uh, <laughs> on the fly. Here we go. Fly, 30 seconds. <laughs> Bardic inspiration. Uh, we're going to use exhaustion mechanics. So uh, that that egg screeches every two or three hours and prevents you from getting sleep. So uh, <laughs> no, and actually, now that I think about it, that could be really interesting. Like if you did something that was keeping your party awake or only allowing them to get half a short rest rather than a full short rest. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know, compounding that over certain sessions, like, you know, you have to get from point A to point B, but it's going to be uh, a more difficult. And although exhaustion mechanics work really well, I feel like it's a, it's a downward slope after like exhaustion level three. And then it's, it's just almost impossible to recover from. So maybe if you made one to 10, a scale of one to 10 exhaustion and, and just little things would add on or, or uh, uh, perhaps hallucinations from lack of sleep or something like that. You could do some interesting stuff. Um, mm -hmm. There are tools in the dungeon master's guide and things like that for exhaustion and for insanity. But uh, expanding upon those is like what people love to do. Like you love to tinker with D and D and make it better and things like that. And so uh, I think, a good, I guess a good example of that is I use the Shadowfell stuff from the Dungeon Master's Guide for when my players were in this inverted pyramid that was tied to the Shadowfell. But once they got into the Shadowfell, I dialed it up to 11 with this deck of cards that they have mm. to pull from. And every time they pull from this deck of cards, they have a new despair effect that affects them. And so using the environment like that to hurt your players is just, I don't know, really fun. So. Yeah, or even just to ch get them to change what their normal um, plan of attack is, because if you don't give them any modifier at all, they've already in their heads think about how they're going to attack each battle. Like the fighter runs forward and does this thing and locks something down, or the the person that gets beat on taking all the damage gets the attention, and the and the glass cannons in the back are putting their damage on, and they always have their their typical plan. But to mess with that, <laughs> you give them the modifiers. You give them mm -hmm. it's storming out. You give them exhaustion. You give them um, the the world keeps sh every second round it shakes so violently everybody goes prone or you know just all these little things that they all of a sudden have to deal with that they their normal plan can't work. It really allows them to develop and change and, and try to do things on the fly. And then they remember those really cool battles later on. Like they never remember the one. 
that just went perfectly. They always remember the one that went horribly wrong, but they still won, right? Yeah. That's the story they're always going to tell. So putting those type of things in your game can really be the thing that they remember years and years from now, 10 years from now in that campaign. That'll be the thing they bring up. So mm -hmm. I like that. That's a good one. All right. Well, I, this is going to be weird because I think we're going to talk about what we did in D&D &D for the last week. And uh, I'm not sure how much Jordan's got. What do you got? Do you got a bunch or do you want me to go or what are you um, thinking here? Well, I got, I've got the games I played right before my wife went into labor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which Let's were, go over that. Which were really fun and epic. So uh, <laughs> we played, uh, well, okay. So I've got two things to talk about. One was Acquisitions cool. Incorporated. I'm really in loving that I'm, I'm having a good time with it, but we ran into a, a situation, not a situation, but like a part of the story that just didn't like puzzle piece well into my head mm -hmm. um, and not having a bunch of spoilers, but we got a, a hint to go to this place to find something very important. And when we went to that place, we had a whole adventure in this place only to find the thing that was important turns out to be a message that leads us to another area. Mm. My point is, is it felt inconsequential. Like we, although it was fun, we had a good time playing. It didn't further the plot. It didn't like, we didn't, we didn't grow. We didn't get new items. We didn't change and things like that. So did I lose you? No, you're still there. No, you just weren't here. moving. <laughs> so uh, I brought it up at the table where I'm like, well, that was a lot of fun, but like we could have just gotten, okay, instead of, instead of this guy giving us a piece of information to go here to find a new piece of information to go north, we could have just gotten the original information to go north and bypassed all of this. Like it didn't, it didn't, I don't know, it didn't move the story forward. And so it got me thinking like, like uh, how how do we push the narrative forward? Like through items or revelations or plot, like there has to be something with this side quest that ultimately sheds more light on the main adventure. I feel, you know, and this just mm. really felt like a side quest where we, well, you're just doing this for the sake of doing it. And then all of a sudden we were almost let down that the information we were craving or the prize at the end of the, the prize at the end of this side quest was, Oh, you just have to go North. And it's like, well, why, you could have just told us that earlier. So it, <laughs> this is my only complaint about Acquisitions Incorporated so far. We had a really good time the session before. And although we had a lot of fun playing this, it just, it, it felt like, I don't know, it felt like somebody else wrote it and they were like, well, well let's just incorporate it here for, but it doesn't, it doesn't move the story forward. So it was kind of mm -hmm. interesting. I could be wrong. Maybe in the like final climactic battle, this will all come back and there's a reason that we did all of this and Jordan's just not seeing it right now, but who knows? I don't mm -hmm. know. I almost, I guess that was the definition I had for side quest was a quest that didn't relate to the narrative. But shouldn't it like, <laughs> like if you're, if your guy is here and he's causing all of this trouble in the world and you do mm -hmm. a side quest and you find out that he's also meddling in that town Yes, you save that town from like, I don't know, a basilisk that was running around turning people to stone, but who set that basilisk on the town? Oh, it was the evil bad guy. So he is meddling in all these places and you get a little bit of foreshadowing, but I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. And I just kind of mm. like my adventure design is, is more linear than, than just like doing random side quests, but like, yeah, or a side see, quest of like, Hey, we need to get into this castle 
I'm going to need a key. That key is held over here and you do a whole side quest to get that key. But what if you did a whole side quest to get that key and, it, and instead of getting the key, it just says, oh, you had to go like left over here to get the key. So then like we go left and we, I don't know, like, yeah, that's my mind. I'm not, I'm not using, I'm not articulating the best right now, but it bothered me. <laughs> no, I get you. No, I, I, I see what you're saying too. And I'm, I'm trying to put it into when I'm creating my campaign, I would have, I would fall into this trap that would make your brain think the way it is because I do often have a narrative that is the main storyline of what's going on, but I also put in things that have nothing to do with the storyline that they can go and do. Mm -hmm. And even at the end, and I know my players have probably thought this at the end of whatever they did, they kept waiting for, well, how does this relate to the, to the narrative or whatever, but it doesn't, it's just a, it's a completely encapsulated little thing on its own. That was just a cool idea. I had to do this other thing, but it has no direct reflection. The bad guy is not involved, uh, yeah. has nothing to do with it. And I like to sprinkle them in so that they can do those things. One, it allows them to get more XP and treasure. Two, it adds something that they can do in, typically in a single session, whereas the narrative is obviously a campaign. So that, that's done over a year. But sometimes I feel like you need like a, a start and a finish to something just to go, oh, okay, we, we figured that we started at the beginning. There was a mystery. We figured it out. It's done. It's over. We don't have to think about that anymore. Now let's jump back to this main campaign that's taken us a year to try to figure out what's going on or, or affect in some way. So I do throw some of those things in there. So I guess I would be guilty of the same kind of thing that you're talking about, where not all of my side quests relate back into the narrative. And in fact, in Seeking Revenor, this has been a hard thing because the way you, you mentioned this, I don't have a narrative in Seeking Revenor. It's a West Marches style mm -hmm. game. There is no main plot line. And my players have had a, a tough time figuring how do you play with that because they keep looking for, well, what does Lucian want us to do? I hear them say that all the time. What do you want us to do? Yeah. I don't want you to do anything. I don't have a, there's no storyline here that I've written out and I'm waiting for you guys to go through. I have a world that lives and I'm just trying to think about how it reacts to what you guys do. But other than that, you do whatever you're going to do. You're making the narrative. I'm not making the narrative. And they've had a little bit of a struggle with that too. So I wonder if other dungeon masters have kind of run into this. So I can kind of see what you're saying, where you're coming from. But also your side quests, you were saying like they get XP, they get items, they get this. This side quest, we're doing, uh, we're doing, uh, um, ah, what is it called? Not XP, but uh, where you just level up. I forget the name. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Milestone. Milestone, yes. Thank you. I couldn't remember it. We're doing Milestone for Acquisitions Incorporated, and we got zero items from this thing. We got zero money from this side quest. We didn't, so it literally felt like we just did a thing to do it, but it didn't progress anything forward um and in uh, no gold think, no money no, no gold no money i mean we got xp i guess but we're not counting xp we're doing milestone experience we got no items so it just kind of felt like this weird thing that we did um but going back to earlier of acquisitions incorporated uh we there were missing farm animals and that was a quest that we took 
And we're just like, oh, farm animals are missing. So we go looking for where these missing farm animals, we find that there is a ogre or a troll that is taking these animals. And when we fight the troll and interrogate it, the troll leads to believe like, well, I was hired by this guy to do this. And so now we're getting more information from this troll that there's somebody else that sent that troll to do these bad things to poor Fandolin. And we're learning more and we're growing. And so I guess that's what I meant with it. It's like, I like that where you you do this. But I do understand Westmarsh's campaign. Yeah, you kind of just like, well, nothing's happening. So I don't know. Yeah. When I get, you're saying these are my preferences. This is what makes sense. This is the kind of adventure. I, I get it. Everybody yeah. has like the things they like and they like little tie-ins. They like, they like information they get now that comes back around five, seven, eight, ten mm-hmm. sessions later and goes, oh, that's who that guy was. Now it all makes sense. That kind of thing. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, and then not to spend all day on this, uh, my <laughs> Shadowfell adventure, I had one of the most amazing games that I've played in D and D in a long time. It was really great. Um, it's, it's funny because my players and some other friends of mine were like, well, are you upset about this? I said, no, I'm actually very proud of you. So I, I had a whole like castle for them to explore. There were ice giants in the castle. There were, um, clay golems. There were all this stuff and they very, creatively bypassed every fight I set up in the game. So they got to this area, they snuck in, they rolled really well, really good stealth. So they didn't trigger any of these traps and things like that. They have a flying carpet. So instead of going through the main gate, they decided to fly up to a window. They fly up to this window. They come down. Um, We initiate a fight with these giant, uh, like a a queen and a king ice uh, giant. And so they're hucking like ice spears and all this stuff back and forth. (laughs) They know that they're here to find um, some kind of magic item that these guys are protecting, but they don't exactly know what it is. And my shadow monk like teleports and then dashes and gets all the way across to this door. And he's been carrying around this stupid, uncommon magical item uh, and I forget the name of it, but it's in uh, Xanathar's Guide, and it's a key that has a 5% chance of opening a door. And mm-hmm. once it opens a door, or unlocks a lock, I should say, once it unlocks a lock, the key disappears. So you can try it, and you roll percentile dice, and then you see if it does it. So he's he. I, we always think when he gets a funny grin on his face, he's going to use his Eye of Savras, which is a reflavored Wand of Wonder, which does random magical effects. But he decided to use this key on this door. He rolled a 98 and everybody (laughs) cheers. He got out of his chair, was like dancing around. Like it was just one of those really crazy moments. Like I can't believe that happened. They open up. Such a low chance of happening. But then in a key moment, it actually happens. It's super cool. There you go. He's back. I see what you said (laughs) there. Did you see that pun? That was a good one. (laughs) Uh, So he unlocks the door and inside is this severed floating hand in like a a pillar of light. He runs in, grabs the hand, and then they book it out of there as fast as they can and got back on their magic carpet, flew away. Uh, Monsters are chasing them. They end up going they're they're on a snowy mountaintop so they end up going back around this corner uh they quickly cast Liaman's tiny hut all climb inside now they're camouflaged and hidden in the snow giants are stomping around looking for them and they examine this hand and they realize that it is a very evil artifact and they have found the hand of vecna oh and boy. that's where we ended up leaving off and it was so exciting because 
as we were like collecting our dice, everyone at the table was just like, well, I mean, I mean, how bad is it? Like if I attach, if I attune to this hand, like what's going to happen? And I said, and they ended up casting, I think, uh, identify or something on it. So they know what the hand does. <laughs> They're going through all of the magical properties of the hand and our, our uh, monk of Savras is like, well, maybe I'll take the hand, attune to it, so that I can destroy it later. And that's his mindset. And the fighter is like, well, maybe I'll take it because I don't care if I'm evil. And that sounds really awesome. And like everybody's, so I have this item that like at one, at some point, or in one way, nobody wants it, but in another way, everybody wants it. And it's mm-hmm. going to be really interesting what they decide to do with it. Um, and I also said that the hand is really their way home. So if they wanted to, they could attune to this hand and it might be a step in the right direction to getting them back to the prime material plane. And so that's another another carrot I'm dangling in front of them where it's like (laughs) you lose your soul, maybe you turn evil, but you ultimately can get back to where you're supposed to be. Um, but you'll be at home. But you'll be, so at home. be okay. And to attune to that, we're talking like cut the cut you have your to hand. Sever off. your hand. Yeah. Yes. And then you sever your left hand, and then the and then put put it to the stump and the hand of Vecna. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nothing could go wrong there. Oh, it's gonna be so good. So uh, I don't know. We have a new baby now. I'm not sure when we're gonna play again. I told them maybe um, after Christmas, just because the holidays are coming up and everybody's busy and things. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, and we need to make sure Oliver can handle a two to three hour D and D session, you know? Uh, yeah. but, uh, really excited to get back to that game at some point. And it was just, it was a really fun cliffhanger to end on. And everybody mm-hmm. was just so jazzed for where this campaign's going. And I've never introduced such a high level, like legendary artifact like that before into my games. Like I've never done a deck of many things or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So this is really it's really fun and interesting. And as they progress through the story, I've got more like, you know, it's going to, it's going to pop up and you can't just hide that you have this artifact. Like there are people <laughs> that are looking for this kind of a thing. So I think it'll be really yeah. good. So very cool. So you have as a dungeon master actually allowed your party to have a magic flying carpet. I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. such a, that's like an adventure breaker most <laughs> of the time. No, it is. <laughs> uh, they have this carpet and I wasn't going to allow them to keep it, but they were very clever about it. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I, in order to make it interesting, I said that the shadow fell is actually like hurting your carpet. Like it, the despair effects are, are affecting your carpet so they can only use it an hour a day and it doesn't move that fast. Mm. So that's my limitations. Once they get out of the shadow fell, I think it'll work normal, but by then maybe the campaign will be over. We'll see. But uh, the yeah. shadow fell is affecting their carpet. So they have to very strategically like, okay, we can only use it an hour a day. When are we going to use it and how are we going to use it? And so they mostly keep it wrapped up in case of emergencies like, Hey, let's fly to that window or things like that. So, right. Right. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like super fun. Yeah. And I can't wait to play again. I mean, gosh, I will see. So no D and D this week. Uh, we'll see about next week. Um, but yeah, my life is super topsy turvy now with the baby. So, uh, <laughs> I was telling my wife and I think I was talking to you and maybe even LB about this where I'm like, I need to play an online game now because if I'm playing at home, and the baby and my wife needs something, I can get up from the game and go help her quick and then come back and keep playing with you guys. Uh, but not necessarily, I can't do that if I'm entertaining guests and or if I'm out of the house playing D&D at a friend's house. So 
So uh, yeah. let's throw together an online game. Let's do it. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> well, and I saw somebody in chat talking about because uh, for those of us that are in the uh, in the United States, we have uh, Thanksgiving coming up mm-hmm. this week. Then there's a there's a couple of week gap, and then towards the end of the next month, you get the big Christmas holiday. So you get two pretty big family oriented holidays that are happening. That really kind of people do lots of vacations or lots of travel, and there's lots of different plans and parties and things they go and do so this might interrupt your uh your schedules for games but i know there's a big majority of us that are like no 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 we're gonna have four days off of work yeah. we should play four days of dungeons and dragons yeah. or we should we should play a whole week of dungeon and i'm with you i'm there i'm like i don't have any little babies i don't have any little children's running around i want to game that whole time that i have that time off so i'm well, there's definitely that group that wants to play. <laughs> and I want to throw something together because I said when I got to 60,000 subscribers, I would do like an online stream on YouTube. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's what I'll work on today and tomorrow. I also have to write a video, but I'm, I'm really busy. But like I, I have an adventure picked out. I need to find some players and maybe we could try and like hammer it out like two or three sessions of this uh, of this thing and we could stream it on YouTube. That'd be fun. So Very cool. I'm in. I'm Sweet. there. Lucian's I'm all for in. it. <laughs> but what did Lucian do in games? You're clearly so, playing lots of D and D. Yeah, yeah. So Monday night is my Seeking Revenor West Marches style game. Um, I've been building up this world. It's been exciting for my players to see it. And the other really exciting thing is sometimes you hear in Dungeon Master advice, like, "Hey, you're you're going to be a Dungeon Master and you're going to create this world. Um, don't force it on your players. Don't do big." Um, data dumps on them don't try to build this entire world and get upset if they don't really explore it the way you think they should so going into west marches i was really thinking about i want to make a compelling world and i know it's cool and i think it's awesome but realize i was trying to 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 cushion my my excitement to say it's okay if the players don't get as excited or it's okay if they don't go to these little nicks, nooks and crannies to find these things out. Maybe they're not interested in that, even though in my mind, those are the things I'm interested in. So don't try to put my own interests on them. Just give them a world they can use. But it's been working out really well that they want to know what's going on. They want to know who are the, the big movers and shakers of this world. They want to know why there's the last city of the elves and what happened to all of the other cities. They want to know why there's three dragons surrounding this land that don't let anybody in, but yet they got in somehow. And how has that happened? Why has that happened? Why is that changing things? And they're really interested in the lost civilizations here that have their own pantheon and their own gods. Enough uh, as enough that some of the characters have decided to pledge themselves to those gods and maybe try to bring them back into prominence away from the regular forgotten realms gods right so they're really diving into it exactly the way i would want to as a player so it's been super super fun and this last session the monday session i threw an adult dragon at a six level party to really see where they're at to really gauge all right let's see how good these guys are because that's a cr 13 creature we're talking legendary actions. We're talking, you know, a big black dragon's got some good ACs, got some good hit points, got some good abilities, but not to the point where it's unbeatable, right? It's not overwhelming. If you get into the ancients, that's it. This party couldn't handle that. But an adult dragon was right at the level, and they were able to, in my mind, I thought they were going to beat the dragon. <clears throat> so in my mind, I had to start thinking about 
these three dragons that are holding this land hostage by not letting people in and out, one of them will be killed in this session was the way I was prepping it. And how is that going to affect the other two dragons? Does that now start letting things come in? Can they start moving in and out? And that changes the world. But the fight didn't go as planned. Um, they didn't kill the dragon. And by the end, I got to this point where it was so low in hit points, I just felt like I, ha I couldn't justify it staying to death, right? I couldn't justify it's just going to throw its life away here and keep fighting these adventures knowing it's going to lose. I, it's not the smartest of dragons because the black dragon doesn't have a huge intelligence, but I couldn't really get myself to say, no, it's down to nine hit points. It's on its action and turn. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get out of here. It's mm -hmm. going to make a run for it. There's no way it's just going to try to do one more attack and then they're all going to go through the round again and do all their stuff they've been doing. It's not going to do it. So it, it can't win this fight the way it's worked. And so I had it escape. So it kind of changed my plan. I thought they were going to kill it and was going to change how the story was going. But now it's escaped, so I've got to incorporate that in there. But they were really excited about fighting the Black Dragon. And when they first kind of came after them, they they didn't know it was an adult. The only other dragon they've seen is the one other dragon, which is an ancient that nearly destroyed their town. So they were super freaked out. This thing attacked. They were worried. They used all their abilities. It was just a really fun fight. For a dungeon master, I felt like it was a fun encounter to play because of the legendary actions, the 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 way it set up the actions in the in the stat line for this character for the creature played better than a lot of the other stuff you play before that. And it really felt like this is how all creatures should be. Mm -hmm. I really feel like even a goblin should have a bonus action. It should have a reaction. It should have maybe a little legendary action. That's It doesn't have to be a big thing, but it's something it can do while the players are doing something else to make that fun action economy work out right and make it feel dynamic because adding those things in made that fight dynamic. And it brings my mind back around, which we had talked about a little bit was when Matt Coville had, had said, how could you change, you know, villain actions and, and make your character and make your adventures more um, narrative, more dynamic, more memorable than just, I beat you on the head. You beat me on the head kind of thing. And that drove it home for me again is having all of this cool stuff. And it didn't, it didn't overpower the character, but it definitely made the players, have to think differently and do different things right back to what we were talking about our bardic inspiration it made their normal plan not work and they had to come up with a different plan so i know you me and you have talked about this in your adventure i think even in your pyramid where you played one of your really good bad guys but you forgot your legendary actions yeah. like you didn't even use them well that was and, my point as i was going to bring up yeah. like if you gave all these reactions and legendary actions to goblins I'm just going to forget that they have them. But you forget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, but what's the most, I, if the thing that I was thinking about on this, what has been the most dynamic fight from a dungeon master that you've given your players? And what was it about that fight that made it so dynamic? Well, that's a, I mean, I wish you, I don't know that question off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of like, usually it's when I do, on initiative count 20 environmental effect does this uh that's um, in that that step that's nice i like that so like gravity will reverse itself or i don't mm -hmm. know a wave of water floods into the area so that's how i kind of keep it um 
just recently my players fought uh, a death tyrant which is like a, a behold an undead beholder and they have uh like six legendary actions because of the eye stocks so they can fire all these different beams so i ended up writing it into the initiative order just so i could remember that they had all these legendary actions so that i got all six uh to go plus their main action uh, mm-hmm. And so, th- and I remember that was like a down to the wire fight, but it was one creature that could do so much stuff that the action economy was balanced between the two parties, you know, as and it made it to- feel super yeah. dynamic and they're reacting to things. Yes. Roles are happening. Saves are being made yes. and missed. Um, People are getting, everybody's maneuvering. They're stunned. They're sleep. Yeah. They're charmed. It's yeah, it yeah. was fun. That's a good one. We just had a, a beholder fight in our, in our other one. So that was the big thing um, for me and seeking revenue. We're excited to see where that takes us um they had an npc die and this is something i didn't realize is i assumed that it was an npc he he died and they would kind of move on but they were really attached to the npc so Mm. all of the talk has been about should we resurrect the npc would they want to be resurrected do we have enough money to do this so like they immediately rallied around this npc that they had just kind of were in prison with at one point and they help get free and now it's part of the party almost and it was really cool to see it kind of made me happy to see that one of the npcs i'm running or playing inspired them enough to want to keep that one that that wasn't around it wasn't just a resource it wasn't just you know a fluff thing that goes away they they were invested in that relationship with that character. And I thought, oh, cool. I did. I, I made a cool character that they liked a lot enough and enough that they're going to try to use their resources to get back. So I thought that was really cool. And I got to remember to do more of that. Yeah. In the games, I think. Um, Wednesday night was our tomb of annihilation ran by our wonderful dungeon master from down under our Australian dungeon master. I recommend all of you, if you don't have an Australian dungeon master, you really should get one because they're super good. Yeah. I was on uh, <laughs> I was on LinkedIn looking for an Australian dungeon master. It's surprising how many are there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just get one if you can. Um, I'm loving tomb of annihilation as a module, as a player, this adventure has been great. The party I'm running with has been really fun. Um, in that one, we also keep acquiring NPCs because we keep saving people that have been trapped in the tomb. And instead of just beating them down, we kind of offer them to kind of join us. And we don't trust them completely, but we trust them a little bit. And we have some of these, we're, we're growing these relationships with these different people that have been trapped here. Some have turned evil and tried to stab us in the back. Some have been helping us this whole time. And I really like the dynamic of these different NPCs. So for me, what I learned this week, again, it was reinforced in my own game and plus the game I played in, is don't underestimate having NPCs work with your party or affect your party or do things with the party because it's it's a great way for them to really add in more adventure or more kind of like their own headcanon or their own narrative or their own fan fiction about how that character is during setting up camp what happens when they go home and retire are they going to stay with us for adventure for a really long adventure is the dm really trying to kill our npc we're going to rally around them you know that there's just a lot of camaraderie that can be built there and it's fun as a dungeon master because that you're them you're that character too even though you're all the bad guys and you're all this you're the traps and you're the environment you're the story but you also can be the cool npc that they all like too so they 
in in some ways they like you the dm too <laughs> so you could kind of take that on so that was the cool thing and i loved it we do have a game that's supposed to be today saturday descent into avernus ran by lb hack em up my local dungeon master master or dungeon mistress or dungeon whatever she wants to be because she's super badass but she's a dungeon um, master yeah yeah, she can choose. <laughs> she can be whatever. Um, we're gonna we're just getting into that. Just hit third level, <clears throat> and as a monk, I must decide what subclass I'm doing. And here it is, two hours before the game, and I've still not decided permanently which one I want because I like them so much. I like all the different monk subclasses. I'm having a hard time picking just one. I want rules that allow me to later on multi-class, but not to a different class. I want to be two of the same class i want to be like a, a monk shadow a shadow monk plus a drunken master or yeah, yeah. shadow monk plus way of the way of the palm or something so i, I, I figured it like out that. i figured it out you choose the shadow monk down a bottle of bourbon and then you're the drunk shadow monk and you just gotta play it. like that so yeah i'm loving that yeah, it's gonna be great for <laughs> so that's afternoon, what i've got coming up a game yeah <laughs> yeah hopefully over the holidays we can get some online one shots going and some charity streams or they're volunteering um or me and jordan will be playing some games hopefully we'll put them up there i'll be playing a lot over the the holiday week because that's what i do all the time anyways so but that was my week in dungeons and dragons so sweet hopefully it was super fun for me yeah you have to ask lb how her game prep is going for avernus so <laughs> yes we did ask that in the last oh, there you go. i asked her how much time do you spend what do you do yeah yeah um i think that's our show do we need to talk about I anything else so. before we take off that is it I an mean, hour goes by quick when you're having it fun it does we'll be back next week uh next week is thanksgiving right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. thanksgiving is on <laughs> thursday so yeah so we'll but i i think we're we're both available so we'll be having um a special thanksgiving uh saturday morning D D show so stay tuned thank you guys so much for watching uh feel free to like subscribe share uh just a quick note that i should say before we leave youtube has updated their terms of service and mm. part of those terms of service say that if a channel is not profitable to youtube they have no obligation to hold uh, that content or to host that content. Uh, we don't run ads on the Saturday Morning D&D show. Lucian and I just do this because we really like it. We'll always be on Twitch because Twitch is a little more friendly. But mm -hmm. something to keep in mind uh, going forward. If we mysteriously vanish or something, it's not us. It's YouTube. And we'll <laughs> figure out other ways to host the videos. I have all of them backlogged so we can we can definitely put them up on uh, Vimeo, Vimeo or something like that. But uh, and it'll always be available as a podcast, so remember that. Uh, but the live streams, we'll, we we just have to see what YouTube does. It's all going to go in effect in 2020, and I and we just don't know. But a lot of channels are kind of spooked. Uh, a lot of people on YouTube are unsure of the future, and unfortunately, this channel is also one of them. So, mm -hmm. uh, But thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you for uh, comments and uh, iTunes reviews and all that other stuff. We really value you, and we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.